Honorable members, honorable members, order. Switch on the microphone. Switch on the microphone. We are rising on a point of order. On a point of order. The microphones must be on. Welcome to Politics Unmuted, where our microphones are never muted and we turn up the volume on all things political. I'm Konikta Hunter, the Politics Editor for News24. I'm Lisa Gatando, News24's Political Reporter. And I'm Peter Dutoy, Assistant Editor for In-Depth News. This week, journalists in South Africa found ourselves in a difficult situation. There were accusations and counter-accusations about journalists being part of factional political battles and it spilled over into the public discourse. Social media was abuzz with finger-pointing emanating from a WhatsApp group that some political journalists were part of. Even the EFF weighed in, giving credence to a narrative that journalists were being used to extend certain political interests. And while the matter can be easily dismissed as just a WhatsApp group, I think it's important for us to take a step back and reflect. Any perception that we as the fourth estate is playing into the tune of political masters should be squashed. We are meant to be independent. We report fiercely without fear or favor, but we are not perfect. We make mistakes. The South African journalism landscape has been fraught with revelations of how journalists were used to further certain narratives. We come from the era of the rogue unit, of the Katomena death squads, What happened then was that journalists did not take a moment to self-reflect. And sometimes it is important to take two steps back and ask ourselves, have we gone wrong? How do we navigate the fine line between journalism and its interface with politicians? And if we've gone wrong, how do we self-reform? The health of journalism contributes to democracy. Sometimes we have to ask, tough questions. At what point do we self-reflect and we need to self-reflect about the state of journalism in South Africa, the interaction um, or the crossroads journalism has with politics and politicians? And at what point is it just serving, you know, the agenda of political formations to see journalists, you know, eating each other up alive? instead of, of focusing mm. on, on the prize. And so, what are your reflections today? Konita, first up, look, uh, three things I want to say and, 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 and you know, just put out there. First things first, political journalism is, is very difficult. To write about politics in any country is, as a journalist, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do, but it's fraught with danger. It's fraught with vested interests and people who want to influence the narrative and and journalists' job in the political arena is 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 not easy because you have to maintain a contact base or a network of contacts across the political spectrum and in this country not only across the political spectrum but across the spectrum of factional interests inside of the ANC. So that's the first thing I want to say. It's not an easy job. It's a difficult job. There's difference between covering policy and governance and government and internal party politics and you lump it all together as politics journalism so it's it's difficult and all sorts of journalism in south africa somehow leads back to politics right everything is Sport politics isn't become, it yes. becomes politics so, health becomes politics so politics poli- political journalism is difficult the second thing i want to say is that i think there's been a sea change in recent times where 
you know, historically there has been a convention that you don't discuss your colleagues or you don't criticize other outlets or you don't um, when when uh, another outlet makes a mistake, it's hands off. You, you you never go there. But I think that's starting to change, and it's Is changed. That a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. It can be a bad thing. It depends on the motive of those criticizing and debunking stories. But I think that's changed. If you read Anton Harbour's searing expose of what happened around the Rogue Unit, what happened around the the Cato Manor death squads, you know, it reads like a thriller. It, you know, I read that book and I thought to myself, we tread a very fine line every single day, and we need to be aware of it. So that's the second thing I want to say. And then the third thing I want to say is that. We are targets. We are targets of disinformation. We are targets of politicians who want, like I said earlier, want to uh, um, influence the narrative. And we need to be aware of that. So so that, that's my opening thing I want to say about this. It's a very difficult subject. And we spoke before on how we're going to ta- handle this. You know, is it going to be too difficult? But it's a conversation that we have to have in this country. We saw what happened in the States where the media became so part and parcel of the political environment that it threatened their democracy. So we should never become the story, but we should be able to talk about ourselves. Because I hate having this discussion, <laughs> just mm. to put it out there. I think yeah. that there's a lot more serious topics um, uh, going on in our country that we could be talking about this week. But I do think that sometimes we have to be a little uncomfortable to tackle these issues. Liz, what's your lay of the land? Well, I also I am uncomfortable in in speaking about my profession, but at the same time, I do understand the value and the necessity for us to self-introspect once in a while and uh, recalibrate. And I, I think that in in the world of politics, like uh, Peter has has just pointed out, that it is difficult to maintain one's uh, composure when there's a narrative that is being driven by the the sources that you have. In in reality, every source that you speak to in 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 politics, especially in this day and age, and especially with the political uh, offerings that we have in South Africa, has an agenda that mm. they want to drive. It's just, it's upon you to ensure that, you know, that you're not driving that agenda. You must ensure that the it, it is in the public interest to know that particular subject or, or whatever they're mm. giving you. So I, I think you, there's been a lot of talk around journalism, not just political journalism in the uh, past couple of, of weeks. And I think that there needs to be a conversation about journalism. There needs to be a conversation about the the kind of trajectory that we, we on, whether we are slowly becoming Americanized as it were. And whether that's a good thing or bad thing. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. There is that discussion amongst journalists about journalists who who thread that fine line, who who walk that that tight rope and whether they uh, are doing it for the benefit of the country, for the benefit of ensuring that the country is on on the know and educated. So where are we? Where are we who? In terms of, of journalism and its interface with politics it's difficult i mean for, you know it's such a somber discussion normally yeah. we are mo- much more upbeat <laughs> you know when we record this but it's it's a very difficult conversation because like you said it's difficult to turn the spotlight on your own profession so when i go out there and people criticize journalism you know I'm the first thing says yeah absolutely yeah. so you know bugger you don't know what you're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. but internally you know there's lots of criticism we, yeah. we, we criticize yeah. each other you know there is criticism of, of out there so where are we 
you know, and we're talking about political journalism specifically. Not political today. journalism, journalism and its interface with with, 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 with with politics. Look, so my first experience with politicians trying to 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 influence the narrative by influencing individual journalists, and then seeing that actually happen was Edith Polokwane in 2007, where you had the very influential Zuma faction clearly um, had having a line to certain news houses, news news organizations. And the Mbeki faction ahead of Polokwane trying the very same thing. You know, I was in our newsroom uh, in Parliament when, when the famous facts came through from, from Kusatu, I think it was, uh, the Browse Mole report, which said that there's a plan to get rid of Zuma, you know. So that was quite troubling to see, and that was a long time ago, and we're still seeing how politicians are trying to influence journalists. It's difficult. It's a difficult space you guys are working in. So where are we? I think it's good to hear Liz say that there's caution, there's an awareness, and I think there should be awareness of, you know, it's you want the scoop, you want the inside track, but, I, you know, how do you maintain a distance to be able to, severely criticize politicians mm-hmm. who in this country deserve a lot of criticism, don't they? And, you know, just to, 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 to bring it back to where we are in the political landscape, I think that we have characterized the political lay of the land as good guys versus bad yeah. guys. And so what happens when you have good guys versus bad guys, obviously as journalists, you on the side of the good guys, right? But in politics, whether it's the DA, whether it's the EFF, whether it's the ANC, whether it's Trump versus Biden. There is no good versus bad. Mm. And I feel like a lot of this pandemonium of where we are is because we want to be with the good guys, mm. but there is no good guy. And mm. so we create angels because we're so desperate to find angels because there's so many demons. Does that make sense? It mm. does. And it's a function, I would think, of years of state capture. You know, yeah. it was very easy to see who the bad guys were. You know, they were looting the country. So whenever anyone stood up against them, often for their own political ends yes. and expediency, it was like, you know, someone's at, le- at you least, you know, when, when yeah. Julius Malema and the EFF came onto the scene, you guys would remember the, the, the ANC in 2012, 2013, 2014, were this, they were this giant monolithic entity that mm. immovable at mm. the ballot box, Zuma immovable. It was almost Trump-like. Mm. And then Malema and them came and they just attacked and attacked and attacked. And they, and they, to a large they, degree, they broke parliament. Yes. To a large degree, as, as journalists, we clapped. We in, did, because, because someone was, was challenging yeah. Zuma and, 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 yeah. and making Zuma uncomfortable yeah. and making the ANC. Because the DA were going through the Westminster, the, you know, the, the Westminster route that they always do in the National Assembly. You know, doing what they need to do, yes, according to the political system, but it needed someone to break the deadlock. But did Malema and them do that because they believed in something higher? You know, <laughs> I don't think so. But we did clap for them. You know what? I, I just, just thinking about thinking back just a couple of um, um, months ago, or, or is it years ago? I can't remember when Tanzanene went to the, the State Capture Commission mm. yes. and how he was praised before then by both political journalists and political analysts yeah. uh, for him standing up to the Zuma administration with regards to the nuclear. Mm. Uh, yeah. project and 
it, it adds into, it feeds into what you were saying, Kanita, about having these holy cows yeah. and how we think that they are an anomaly to yeah. what is and the, the bad guys, as it were. The reality is that we have to distinguish ourselves that, you know, in politics, there is no good and bad. Yeah. There is no but holy cows. But it's the human, it's in, the human yeah, um, nature. You, instinct. You, you, yeah. want, you, you want, want a hero. To, yeah, you want to have that underdog or the hero yeah. of that moment. But in reality is that our experience, our lived experience should be teaching us better. But uh, the, which is why I was saying that we need to be very cautious about where we are. Because in, in journalism, what I found in journalism in, in this day and age, when I, in South African journalism, when I look at what we talk about on social media and what we talk about in, in the roundtables and how we reference different political party players uh, or political figures, there's always these perceived angels mm. and what you can what, say them, what you scares can me what scares me I mean you're probably Gordon's for one. <laughs> I mean what scares me is that does that play into our writing when and and also our questioning of those dominant figures mm. I remember when I was just a young journalist in Port Elizabeth and Gordon Mandashi was was secretary general then and he would come in and um, you know there's a media briefing and I'd be so scared to ask Gordon anything because he's just such an intimidating figure mm. And, you know, I, there's plenty of other journalists, young journalists, young uh, junior political journalists who might feel the same way. And that's where, that's the scary part for me. Does our actual ideas of who's who play into our writing, play mm. into our questioning? Mm. And, and then also it's the thing of, you know, we hunt in packs. And so if this person is the villain, you know, and for me, in my new role here at News24, I'm very cautious about that in a way that, to what interest, you know, to, to, to what, let me take um, a, a tangible example of the internal factionalism in the ANC, right? And you are caught between a rock and a hard place because it's not only political interests fighting each other, it's it's actually like an organized crime syndicate of sort, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so, so there's... So as fair as you want to be in giving the other side of the story of Ace Mahashule appearing in court and saying that the charges against me are a political ploy, at the end of the day, we've been through this long mm. enough mm. to know that it, you, you can't just give his side of the story. Mm. You know, you can't give his side of the story mm. because his side of the, of, of the story is a lie, mm. you know. This is not about protecting the interests of the president or protecting the interests of a certain dominant faction. It really is that in this case, you are on the wrong side of the law and we are going to report it as such. Is there a backlash to stories like that that you do? I mean, if you are... So, I mean, like I said in the beginning, you have to maintain a network of contacts mm. across the board. So that means you have to maintain, you know, and political journalism in this country. You have to have lunch with Rose. Yes, you have to. But it's difficult. It's different in this country. And we all follow the American election now. I mean, the stuff that Maggie Haberman, for example, wrote on the New York Times, critical of Trump. But then he still calls her, mm -hmm. even though she's extremely critical. Mm -hmm. You know, it's in this country that often doesn't happen when you're critical of someone, you know. It does. It does happen in the ANC. I think it, it takes a lot of political maturity mm. um, and we've seen a lot more, you know, politicians being, um, you know, sensitive. You see it in the DA, you see it in the EFF. And I think that it's it's a difficult terrain. 
So, okay, so let's distinguish, right, Peter? The one thing is the healthy tension between politicians and journalists. Mm. We shouldn't be their friends. Mm. There needs to be this tension. It's mm. very good for democracy, mm. right? But then it's the, the what we see, or what I've been seeing, I don't know, you guys can disagree with me, where, where there's almost like these fires that are lit among us as journalists, as politicians clap. Mm. And, they, and, and that it, worries me. Yeah, it does, because, because dividing and ruling is an old trick yeah. of them. And if journalists play along with that, you know, then, then it's easy for the politicians to, to attack journalists and to attack the integrity of journalists. Uh, and then journalists start turning on each other. So do we you start- know, and then we miss the stories. So at what point, where do, where's the platform for us to say, let's check ourselves so that we... Because we can't police, our, you know, you can't write about, you know, we can't... And I get what you're saying. So, so for example, the Sunday Times leads with one story. You know, let, let's take the Sunday Independent story from the Sunday yeah. about Bushiri. Yeah. You know, which wasn't sourced. Yeah. What do we do with that story? Ignore it, fact check it. You know, report that it was reported because they reach an audience. Mm-hmm. IOL reaches a very large audience, and do we take responsibility for other newspapers and mistakes? Mistakes. Yeah. You know, what happened with the Rogue Unit? The Rogue Unit was something that got a life of its own. It just ran for years and years and years until, you know, some in the media said, but look, this isn't right. But again, it comes back to a tradition or a convention that we used to have that you don't criticize your colleagues at other media. And I think it is changing. And now when people are criticizing each other, I feel like it's not based on journalistic mm. principles and ethics. Yeah. It's not, it's I'm not pointing fingers at you, it's personal, yeah. and it's an extension and a spillover of factional fights and political fights with media houses. And that, for me, makes me really upset. And then the politicians say, it goes to show that you are part of a certain faction. Like we saw this week, you know, that's a good example. But, but has, has uh, I mean, do they have, I, I believe that where they smoke, there's fire. Because I have identified that there are some journalists or, or there, are, there are traits within some journalists where journalists are more favorable to a particular faction or so how do you publications. Solve that? I don't know. So I'm know. more but I'm more interested in being constructive about it mm. instead of going and firing and I'm not attacking you yeah, in yeah, any yeah, way but like yeah. firing on social media for example. No. Um, that's totally a, a counterproductive social media to take that debate to social media. To social media, but I mean it happens and we've mm. all I've participated in it before and and etc. But, but uh, also me and you have agency. A younger journalist may not have that level of mm. of, of agency mm. in a newsroom to raise issues. Mm. But but the the, the point is that I'm more interested in we've had we've come from a rogue unit era, right? Mm. We've come from a SABC political interference era. What how do we, how are we constructive about it? Instead of this thing of we just we literally just killing each other, shooting at each other in a way that is just making the people that we need to be focused on applauding and sitting at this dog fight and eating popcorn and and you know, f- fanning the flames. I'm using all cliches possible. <laughs> but do you, you, you understand what I'm saying? And, and for me, what our industry is only being decimated. It's being decimated because of finances. It's been decimated. COVID has killed mm. a, a huge part of journalism mm. in this country. And the thing about state capture is that it showed us that when every institution of 
the country was literally torn apart, it was the media and the courts that literally mm. held, our, held our democracy up. And so there's no part of, there's no winner in this. There's no winner in me sitting here and being like, Liz, why are you, you know, this Tumamina WhatsApp group mm. and, you know, Q, you are Ramaphosa Kaba, you know, mm. and mm. Peter, why mm. are you say, why mm. are you writing that mm. Malema's Eugene Tablanche mm. when at the end of the day, yes, it's a, I can have a valid criticism of you, Peter, that I think it's counterproductive for someone like Liz who has to cover the EFF for you to make that statement about, you know, I can disagree with you. But when it spills over, there's no winner. So what do you do? I think I, there's no way that you could influence what happens at the mm. Sunday Times or anywhere other. else. Mm. You know, there's just no way. What you can do in the sphere of influence, which is your newsroom yes. and your environment, I mean, that's where you can build journalists into into maintaining a, a strongly principled sense of ethics, I think. So where does your allegiance lie? It needs to lie with your reader yeah. and the constitution and the press code, I think. Yeah. You know, I, when I speak to my investigative team, you know, we, we say, you know, it's the constitution and the press code and, you know, we need to inform you. That's, mm. that's all it is. That's, yeah. that's what I think about how we can do it. You need to know why you do this job. Who do you do it for? And, and the one thing I think is so important is to maintain a professional distance from, from people that you write about. Yeah. That's what I think. Which it's is difficult. very hard. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. Mm. But you have to be able to do it. It's, it's not easy. Mm. And, and look, we're all journalists. And the one thing about this profession is you are learning every single day on the job. The moment you think mm. you've got this sussed out, mm. it can kick you up the ass and say, look, you are mm. over, in over your head. So... Mm. It's about remaining humble, I think, and then just knowing exactly who you're writing for. That's what I think. So I'm, I'm thinking of the listener listening to this podcast. Why should they care, right, um, yeah. about the dramas that's going on in newsrooms and, and in, in journalism? But for me, we trade on, pub, on, on public trust. That's the currency that we have as, as, as journalists. And I think that by having these, this, this uproar, by having these finger pointings and this sort of factionalizing of, of the political journalism space, I think that it does a huge disservice for why we exist, mm. which is to serve mm. uh, the readers mm. and to do that, that, that country duty. And so at the end of the day, when I say there's only going to be losers from this public spectacle of us trying to tear each other down, mm. it's because we're diminishing the public trust that we really need Without public trust, there's no journalism. But that's also not not to say that we can't have healthy debates and criticism of each other. So how other. do you do that? And where yeah, do you yeah, do that's that? Yeah, that's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. To, to do it from a, like Conita said earlier, not from a point of personal vengeance yeah, or whatever, yeah, or jealousy or whatever. Yeah. You know, it needs to be grounded in fact. Mm. And, you know, you said it earlier, seeking a solution to whatever the problem mm. may be. But guys, you know, these debates on Twitter that we sometimes see, you know, people attacking each other, journalists nailing each other, mm. you know, I just don't see any value in that. And that's almost, I feel, what I see is that's almost where the debate in mm. inverted commas, that's where it happens. And there's no real debate there, you know. Mm. But then, and then, and then the other point is the plurality of views. Are we becoming less tolerant of just people having diverged, what's the word? Divergent, divergent views. Divergent views. Are we becoming less tolerant of people who have views that are not sort of consistent with what, what our worldview may be? 
I, I I think it's it's just the world how the world is in mm. nowadays. I don't mm. think that it's it's primarily mm. within this little sector that we have the fourth estate. <laughs> Our little world. Yeah, but it's like that we're growing into where you are so intolerant of someone else's views. It, it's just. It, I think it's just what is happening in the world with, with the introduction of social media. I do think that as journalists, we are still, I, I think that we have to give each other credit, that we are still able to, I mean, when I come to Peter and I tell him, Peter, I'm not, I'm not really, I don't really agree with, with this uh, column that you Peter, we're not written. picking on you. <laughs> we don't like it. I don't we're really not agree. picking on you. I mean, we, we still have that scope where he's able to listen to me yeah. and, and he'll even say, no, why don't you write something yeah. that is, that can uh, reach out to people and you, you can actually give your own view? Mm. I do think that as journalists, yes, social media, we've been, there's this monster called social media that mm. is that that has taken over. But I I think it, we have a far, uh, a long way to go till we come to a point where we, we have tensions from just hearing each other's point of views. Do your final no, I, I, I agree with, with, with Liz. I think there's a there's a great intolerance of, of, of divergent views and, and we're seeing that on social media. Mm-hmm. And I think it is playing out in, in what we often read in our in our news publications. So so I think that's the way where the world the world is there at the moment, a hardening of views and middle ground, the middle ground is just growing smaller. That's all we have for you. I hope this has been insightful. I think that it is a moment of reckoning. It was a difficult podcast. We're usually much more fun and upbeat. Next week, we definitely will be. From all of us at Politics Unmuted, thanks for listening. This episode was produced by my colleague Catherine Rice and recorded by Shantae Schatz. The music was courtesy of Getty Images and Epidemic Sound. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or follow the hashtag Politics Unmuted. <laughs>